Coming to you from USL headquarters, this is Steal Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. It is March 3rd, 2020. Kelsey Steele, Scott Stewart here for season two of Steal Some Time. It's like we blinked. All of a sudden, the 2020 season is upon us. We're just days away from opening weekend. How was your offseason, first and foremost, Scott? Do you, do you feel kind of refreshed, ready to go? I think I just blacked out and then woke up, and it was like, we're about to kick off. And I was like, oh, good. Good thing I woke up in time then. Sort of like a Sleepy Hollow thing. Thank God I set my alarm. Yeah, and I think the remnant or like the, the remedy was like a Rowdy's preseason game or something. I showed up, and I was like, whoa. We're like, it's like this What's is happening? real. This is happening. It's as happening. soon as they beat Montreal, I was just like, yeah. We're back in the swing of things. We Felt are good. for real back in the swing of things. We're back here every single Tuesday um, through whatever platform you choose to follow us through, whether it's iTunes, Apple, Spotify. There's like 15 of them. So just pick one and subscribe. We got a few. Shout out to Google Podcasts. Shout out to Google Podcasts. Yeah, so we're back here on Tuesdays. We're going to have a, a ideally a guest for you guys every single week. This week, we are thrilled to be joined by the one and the only, the legendary Mike Watts. This guy's all right, you know. He's pretty good at what he does. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, a bit of a legend in our circle. Uh So for him to bring the inside into season two, episode one of Steal Some Time, I'm honored. I think Stu's honored. Oh, incredibly honored. I don't even know if I have the words for how honored I am. And that's not being facetious at all. I actually, Mike Watts is, listen, uh, as real as it gets. Mike Watts is as real as it gets. He is that as real as it gets. That dude is incredible. Yeah, so super hyped to have him on. He has a lot of really great things to say, so make sure you stick around for that one. But listen, 2020 is underway. We've got 35 teams, mm-hmm. 595 wow. regular season matches over 33 weeks of play. So if you didn't sleep over the last two months, you're out of luck. She told me she was watching all of them, too, like literally every single one. She was like, if I can't catch it live, I'll just spend my week watching the replay. I said, wow, about time you caught up with the group, you know? <laughs> Stu just put me on. <laughs> blast in front of the world it's just it's a title it's a responsibility you know few chosen but you know only only those of us who feel the most appropriated get the honor of catching every single game nicholas murray and now kelsey Steele to Here club of two to rise to the occasion mm-hmm. truly we've got san diego and miami making their usl championship debuts this week each team set to play 34 games over the course of 33 weeks we've got so much going on and of course we're sticking with that same kind of um uh, storyline as last season so season's gonna end and conclude or conclude i should say on uh saturday october 17th mm-hmm. and uh we'll have have, I think, 17 matches on what is known as Decision Day. So yeah. that's going to be a, an, an epic Heard it here day. first. Heard it here for, first. Um, but yeah, it, what's crazy when you look at the, the regular season schedule in 2020, you've got 385 games on Saturdays alone. That's a lot. Um, and then you want to like talk about a big picture here just from Friday through Sunday. You're talking about 509 games. So mm. like 85% of the schedule is happening on the weekend. So we know you guys aren't working. We know you have yeah. nothing else to do than watch these USL Championship games. They're on ESPN+. Plus. They are every single game. It's on ESPN+. Plus. This Come year. along for the ride. You know, it's, it's going to have its peaks and valleys for sure. But I would venture to say that most, if not every single game you choose on that incredible platform is going to be worth at least 90 minutes of your time. And then 20-plus games, of course, across ESPN Networks mm. this season, um, which is incredible. Which is, awesome. which is awesome. The first one obviously slated to, to start this Saturday. So, listen, Scott, I just think we have to 
just get right into it. Yeah, I'm it's ready. time. We are we are looking ahead for the week. We've got a lot of really uh, great stuff on the play on the show for you guys this week. So I, first and foremost, we've had about two ish months. I say ish because this off season doesn't really start for us until about January. Mm-hmm. So I've got to know over that span of time, Scott, what was your favorite moment this off season across mm. the USL? That's tough. That's tough. Me being me, I I could I wouldn't be here if I picked just one moment. So I'd like to quickly. So that's not what we pay you for. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully, I'm not sure what we pay me for, but um, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's quit out talking about that. Um, I think honestly, one of them has to be the introduction of both Miami and San Diego. Like we knew San Diego a little bit going into last year, but like to truly see the club take shape, and now we have this beautiful canvas of what is going to be an incredible club, hopefully a top-class organization, and that's on and off the field. The same goes with Miami, uh, just kind of the buzz coming around Winter Summit and, and people being there, and they were like, I can't really tell you my name or, or where I'm from or anything like that. And then it comes out later that afternoon that, that the, the Miami FC has joined the USL Championship. But I think recently it, it has to be just the incredible range in both the schedule reveals, which I thought clubs went the next level to, um, but the kit reveals. I think we've just had some beautiful, beautiful shirts come out in the USL Championship. Um, I think we'll we'll get into those as the year goes on. But like early favorites, Indy's away kit is gorgeous. Uh, Reno's kit is gorgeous. I've been impressed with San Diego. We just saw New Mexico this weekend. So um, no shortage. I'll say that. You talk about schedule releases. I'm not going to let you just skid over that uh, because you're right. We had some incredible releases. Our content teams across the league did a fantastic job this year. Do you have a favorite? I think I do. Um, and I just, I failed to mention their kit just now too, but Phoenix, what Phoenix did with the players drawing mm-hmm. the drawing the, the stuff. And obviously they've got incredible shirts that they're going to display throughout this year i'm just kind of a i'm kind Honestly, of a, why don't we just like have a different jersey on scott every episode i think i get it from my like, boss though this like fashion art culture mix like ryan madden does it so cool i'm just like if if i can be as cool as that guy in that oh space then then we'll make it but ryan's um, gonna clip that recording and play it every day as he's walking into the office now, yeah. he, now he has to listen the the yeah. sooner we can tell him that this did not happen i think the better for all of us in this room especially but um, Phoenix did it real. Reno taking the the deal to school. I thought that was really really cool. Indy throwing it back with the vines. I thought that was entertaining. We had some really good ones. Uh, I cannot leave out the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And not of course, only, why would you ever? Not only this Pete the Pelican content, but now I have Penny the Pelican in my life. This is this is groundbreaking for me. I need to get through like the first week of the season just to realize that everything's back and loan and like the amount of time it's going to take me to process all of this may take us to November 2020 so just be prepared for a year-long Pete and Penny back and forth that we got going on that's it from me though I think I've made my appearance I if think I'm done on the pod if there's a, if there's gonna be a, a little pelican on the way from from Pete, Pete and Penny, and Penny. No, well, I don't even want to start talking about that as a possibility Listen, you guys have to understand, I know you don't get the the pleasure of seeing Scott and I scream at each mm. other for an hour every day, but we also sit across from each other. Mm. So we just spend a lot of time together and we live in the same complex. So it's really just <laughs> Scott's following me everywhere. It's exhausting. Yeah. But uh, She claims it's not by design. But. <laughs> Scott has um, come up with this new hobby in the office. <laughs> good, we're going there. Good. <laughs> Where really good. he has... Um, 
appointed himself the uh, self-proclaimed artist in the office and is now laying post-it notes on random people's desks throughout the office that resemble either Penny or Pete the Pelican. Yeah, it's like Picasso and like some modernistic portrait style art. I'm a little hurt here, Scott. Everyone's gonna get. Oh, one. I haven't gotten mine either. Don't you worry. It's a long season, folks. It's got. It's it's a, like it's an in the moment. It's real time inspiration. If I just like, if I'm thinking about it, then it's got to hit the paper. There are only like four in existence. Yeah, and neither are on my or my desk. So. Give it time. Give it time, guys. This is a long and fruitful season that we're in. <laughs> fruitful. There will be many Pete and Penny drawings and portraits by myself. You I'll, heard it here I'll first. I sign them too, so God. just in case you forgot. Pete and Penny posted portraits. Wow, this is just too much. Anyways, uh, my favorite moment of the off season, Sorry, since I know guy. you were so curious that you asked. Kels. Yeah. Kels, what's your favorite moment of the off season? Let's talk about it. it. Uh, thank you for asking, Scott. Yeah. I'm excited to share. Um, mine was the Birmingham v. Birmingham love story that unfolded <laughs> here a few weeks ago across our social media feeds. It, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast and you have no idea what we're talking about, I are you a fan of the USL? I don't know. Dude, Twitter is such a weird Twitter place. Twitter is such a weird place. Do you even USL, bro? Do you even yeah. USL? I don't know. That's your motto for this year. This was the the coolest or most organic relationship I've ever seen unfold. And what's even cooler is here, it's been three or four weeks, I think, since mm-hmm. the initial, um, uh, uh, all the hype started kind of coming around this alliance. But now I'm seeing tweets from fans over in Europe with their Birmingham Legion kids and um, and, and vice versa, scarves, whatever you name it. And I just, the sport truly is so global. And I think that was such a cool reflection of it. And for it to happen so naturally out of nowhere, it's like, this is, it's why you love Twitter. (laughs) It is. It is why you love Twitter, but just what a strange, I think organic is the only way you could put it, right? Yeah, yeah. Shout out Memphis for being some good sports throughout this. So they, Y'all the real MVPs during this have, entire experience. They have, um, they've taken it a little bit. So That is definitely my uh, my top offseason moment, though. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was super entertaining. But I want to get back to your kit announcements. Yes. Okay? So yes. um, there is a, a game that many people play oftentimes, you know, maybe surrounded by alcohol or whatever it may be. Um it's it's inappropriate, so I don't even know if I can like say the ver- the mm. verbiage. Okay. Um, something Mary kill. Oh, okay. So I thought, how fun would it be to kind of play this game and make it our own a little bit? Okay. So I thought it would be fun if we did it with USL kits, the new ones for the 2020 season, but we do wear Barry sell. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, you, do, I don't know if there's any other rules. I understand the concept. Yes. Okay. I'm great. Ready to go. Matt Calvo, can you please do the honors? Hello, friends. He's yeah. back. So, um, we did not previously determine who was what kits were being picked, right? So this is no. This is random. Spur, this is on the fly. Spur of the moment on the fly. So for you, Scott Stewart. Ooh. Mm. I have New Mexico, Birmingham, and San Antonio. Which Birmingham? Red. Red. Where San Antonio? Because wow, like I'm almost ashamed of myself that I didn't say that immediately as one of our incredible Checkmate. examples. Yeah, seriously, I feel bad. I'll um, I'll ask for forgiveness for a long time for that one. That, that came from you and not him. <laughs> I told you I've been around him too much. 
it's either a her sign, goal is just to wind me up. I think as it's much either as a sign of how far we've come or how far we have come. Yeah, it's a sign of something, no doubt. Um, San Antonio, where man, I hate to bury Birmingham, but I've got to do it in favor of of selling New Mexico. Like I just, I think that. Both of those kits are extremely unique. I mean, obviously, with New Mexico, the cool thing is they're the only American professional club to be partnering with Puma right now. It is a beautiful shirt. It's a great concept. It's got a little bit of Dortmund in it, but definitely has some identifiers that New Mexico does a better job than than I will of explaining what that significant is. Um, Yeah, I think that's what we'll go with. We'll wear San Antonio. We'll sell New Mexico, make a crazy profit, and then just unfortunately bury Birmingham's, which was not my intent. I think that everyone deserves to know that. We just gave him some love, though. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it kind of levels out, right? It always levels out. <laughs> all the hash, all, all of the oh, Twitter hate. All of it. From from Birmingham. Yeah. Directed at I deleted my Twitter account this year, by the way, so you're going to have to just send all feedback to Kelsey. She That's great. She just flood the mentions. Appreciate that. And while you're at it, you can give her feedback on her three Ooh, jerseys. I'm so excited. Uh... Charleston, Tulsa, and North Carolina. Mm, wow. Um, I'm going to sell Tulsa. Sorry, that was like, I just knew right, pretty out of, immediate. right out of the gate there. Um, oh, this is awful. I'm For the record, your idea. Barry and Sell <laughs> are like lose-lose at least mary it is a lose, you lose. can't play one of them yeah but isn't that where isn't that the wouldn't where be the mary one but yeah but barry sell, but barry you don't get any but sell you're acknowledging that it's good and you're gonna make money oh sorry yeah. so fc tulsa i'm burying <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm gonna sell charleston and i'm aware north carolina fc um, Is it all about that sponsor? I on the support front? that though because if Thank you, you if you do anything but wear that North Carolina kit, you miss the boat. It the is, game shouldn't exist. It is so beautiful. The detail on the sleeves just like completely won Dude, me over. Dreamville and in, in, in the Dreamville, Dreamland, of course, it's just perfect. Um, one that Matt Calvo didn't choose to to throw into the scenario was Reno mm. as well, which I want to throw some love to. That's that was Crazy a nice hot. kit. But like all in Piping. all, I am so proud of our clubs this season. Like they did an ex- ex- excellent job. One with these designs and um, you know coming up with some really creative looks this season. Not not all leagues get to have this opportunity. So it's really no. cool that our championship clubs do have the opportunity to really express themselves and, um, you know, work with their sponsors or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but on top of that, the reveals were out of this world. I think it just shows that these clubs are listening to their fans. They're listening to not just the social media fans, but they're listening to fans in their community, like Dreamville, a local music festival, which granted is a huge music festival, but is still like in the heart of that area they're they're listening to those that matter around them. They're involving supporters, and, and I think it, you hit the nail on the head. This isn't something that every club in every league has an opportunity to do, right? And we saw it in League One last year with Forward Madison just taking some major leaps and making it happen for themselves. I think we've seen even more impressive reveals this season across the championship, like what San Antonio did and put together. I mean, that's that's something that should be replicated across the board, and yet you've only got a, a handful of clubs who are really, really knocking it out of the park. So, 
yeah, I, I hate to, to pick a favorite and I won't, but just a round of applause for the championship clubs who have really taken it to the next level with this stuff. It's huge. Y'all are beautiful. Yeah. Truly just wow. extravagant kids. And guess what? We get to see them on the pitch for mm. the first time this weekend. Crazy. So we're going to get into 2020 predictions because there's no way that we can talk about the 2020 season without throwing out some extremely what's awful and will probably not age well predictions from Scott and myself. Yeah. Me especially, I think we can include that, especially since I have answers written down for maybe four categories, <laughs> and the rest is just going to be, let's just do this, guys. I'm all in. All right, yeah, let's get after it. So I figured, let's just start big. USL Championship Final 2020, November, who are the final two teams in that game, Scott? You want to go first or me? Because if I go first, I have to I have to wing it, but if, if you go... Okay, that's fine. We'll work off of me. That's God. fine. Um, I have Indy and Phoenix. In the 2020 final, I think uh, Indy, as a whole, was a very impressive squad in that 2019 season. And I think in 2020, they brought in a few uh, crucial elements that are really going to take them, I think, to that that final place and where they need to be. I think that when you look at the Eastern Conference, they're going to be the most consistent team this season. Now, I will say that doesn't always reflect a USL Championship final appearance. I understand that. But when we're going in kind of blind Mm -hmm. (laughs) to what these teams are going to produce – I, I'm going to go Indy on the Eastern Conference. Does Indy have the required firepower to get through a playoff run? So, also, here's my thing. I don't think you necessarily need firepower. Okay. Phoenix had all the firepower in the world, and they didn't make that final. That's fair. That's very fair. So, I think, I think what makes Indy so good is you have a, a club in Indy 11 that is very unified, mm. that everyone is very aware of what their roles are. There, there's not, I mean, I'm not in that locker room. I get that. But from from the outside looking in and from the conversations I've had with the guys on that team, there there isn't an ego problem. You know, everyone's very aware of what they need to bring to the table and what they need to do to get that job done. And I think Martin Rennie has done a really, really good job of putting the people, the right people in the right place to get what they need to get done. Well, what, they were 90 seconds away from making a championship yeah, let's final be 19, real like so. they ouch yeah it's listen I, I those words are from nicholas murray so but it's true it's also it's true. true they were very close and did not make the cut and so. listen i mean i just it's how do you not pick phoenix it is so difficult and i mean what they did in 2019 <laughs> was unprecedented yep, you know absolutely. um that being said i think it's equally hard to imagine them duplicating that I mean, to come back and, and to, they broke so many FC Cincinnati records mm-hmm. in 2019, um, did the unthinkable in so many ways, including not making the championship final. Um, I, I just I don't know how I, I can't pick them. Yes, they lost a, a few key pieces there with, um, you know, Adam John going over to Atlanta and, and a, a few other pieces. But I think Santi coming in is going to do a, a lot of great things. And they've got a few other pickups that make sense as well. Um, and I think that they are very hungry. They are not satisfied. Um, that being said, there are just – there's a lot of good Western Conference sides coming into this 2020 season. So, I mean, I could look like an idiot here in two months, which is probably likely. But um, I'm I'm going to hold firm. It's just difficult, though. You know, I, I tend to lean more towards the teams that can score over the teams that pride themselves on defensive stability. But the argument can be yeah. made both, or both ways, just like you said with Phoenix. But then I look at Pittsburgh, who is one of the most defensively sound teams of the year. Birmingham, who was defensively sound and then lost 7 nothing to Pittsburgh in the, the 
I guess, technical second round of the championship playoffs, but the round after the play-in round. I see Phoenix. I see Phoenix. I don't know if I trust it just yet. My big thing with them is they had this Talls and Smalls partnership going on with Adam John and Solomon Asante playing off each other extremely well. Mm -hmm. The Tall is gone, was replaced by a Small in Santi Moar. Now it's just a question of, and I don't doubt this by any means, but how's it going to work? How are they going to integrate with each other? Are they going to find the same smoothness where if Asante gets to the byline and he whips in a ball, Santi Moar is on the end Mm -hmm. of it instead of Adam John? I think there there are questions to that. It's obviously the first week of March, so I don't feel too much pressure to, to pick a, a championship final winner accurately. Um, that said, I've crossed it out twice. I'll just stick with it, though. I've got Phoenix Louisville. <laughs> I, I know. You guys, he's I'm not kidding. I'm looking at his sheet twice. right now, and he's <laughs> I wrote it down, and I was like, nah. And then I, I wrote it down again, and I was like, I don't know. But now, now that we're here, I think I've just got to stick with it. I don't even know what it is. I maybe love how much maybe we're it's peeling just... back the curtain. Yeah, I know. You crossed this out. Is... <laughs> you didn't even re you didn't even rewrite it. No. You just crossed it out twice and just left it. And notice how much heavier the first cross out is versus the second. <laughs> the second one I was like, mm, maybe I won't cross this out all the way. I'm dying. Okay, so you've yeah. got you've got Phoenix and Louisville. We'll Who's hosting? St- we'll stick with I think Phoenix will host. Okay. Uh, if we get in this scenario. I don't. This is going to sound really weird, but just stick with me. I think there are some questions that Louisville needs to answer about playing on not Slugger Field versus Lynn Family Stadium. You would assume it would only make them better. I assume the same, but now I just need to see it for myself. I think it's. I think it's a valid. It's a valid question to raise early on in the season, at least. Come June, if you're struggling playing on a pristine surface, I think we have some bigger issues at hand than that. But. I'm going to go Phoenix-Louisville, I'm going to go Phoenix-Hosting, and I will leave it at that. It's a pretty sturdy limb that you're standing on. Really really took a chance there on that final, Scott. Wow, and Phoenix-Indy is so bold. You just said that Indy's like the most consistent across the league, and then Phoenix is like this all-around 2019 monster. Neither one of them were there last year in 2019. I think Louisville was dead lucky to get there. You got them there again? I don't think they'll be as lucky. I think they'll they'll have everything they need. And then some. Guys, you'll see once we continue. <laughs> this is the continue. same guy that last year was like, nah, this Louisville team, they're not they're not the same one that we've seen. And then yeah, they but were I there said the same again, thing about El Paso. Oh, I think the El Paso steam just runs out. I listen, I forget nothing I've ever said. So if if all of this is weighing in the back of my brain, I'm I'm sticking with this one. Because it's March, guys, it's March. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> be right? That sounds yeah, that really far-fetched. <laughs> that sounds really far-fetched, even in October, two weeks from the playoffs beginning. All right, we'll move down the list. Most valuable player. I've got Solomon Asante for Phoenix because I think he could do it again. That tree trunk-sized limb. But, guys, this is why I don't write anything down because I would rather just go for it. Like, what? I don't think Sebastian Velasquez can do it for Miami. I don't think he'll be the MVP. I would love to say Sebastian Guanzotti, but I've got a lot of questions about him lining up with Kyle Murphy and the productive um, capability that he's going to produce. I'm not going to say Cameron Lancaster, even though I think he could be the Golden Boot winner. We'll get into that later. I just... I don't know if there's another just clear cut. I'm looking at him. That's my guy. Like, I would love to say Tyler Pasher. I would absolutely love to say Tyler Pasher. Or even better, Carl Hayworth comes into Indy and just does something unprecedented. 
See, but now you got me all riled up. I'm, I asked now you. I asked you for an answer and an explanation, and all you have done is name all the other guys you wish you could have picked instead of Solomon Asante. Solomon Asante, I think he has by far, both in the past and in the present, he's got all the skills that kill. He's got the capability to produce uh, goals and assists, as we saw last year, setting the record for most combined goals and assists. So I'm going with Solomon Asante. If we continue the podcast long enough, Scott will name every player registered. For a USL Championship club, <laughs> I'd love to say Moses Nyman. The list while we're at it, I don't know. Like, I just. I... All right. Well, who's your pick then? Thin, thin tree trunk limb that you're going to stand out on. Let's go ahead um, and do this. Yeah, you know, I listen. It's it's March, Kelsey. <laughs> it's March. Um, I am equally uh, uncertain about my pick, but you got to pick somebody, and so I'm I'm going to say Nico Brett. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, one, wow. because it's time for a change. Okay. Two. From the one year Solomon Asante won it. It was just, change. I mean, it is a long, long year. Like, yeah. how many records yeah. can one dude, like, pull together? Um, yeah, so I'm going Nico Brett. I, like, we've talked about this so much that he has been we such a, a crucial addition to this Birmingham side. Um, he's a guy who produced a lot last year. I mean, he had 17 goals last year yeah. um, alone. And I think he's somebody who's also, he produces heavily on um, on the assist side as well. You know, he's somebody who's going to set people up. Um, I think that if Tommy can get him in in the right position if with this legion side i think it could be something spectacular oh, he, yeah. he it could equally not work out well um i it's rare i think that you see somebody uh win the golden boot and not the mvp mm-hmm. usually those are one and the same i mine are two different guys um so maybe that now like, like, and like yeah like so maybe i'm you know equally like could get one and not the other you know which is fine um but nico brett's a guy for me who he has a whole package mm. Um, and that's what being the most valuable player means to me. The whole um, package. And he's got the whole package. And I think that he's bringing a, a level to Birmingham that Birmingham desperately needs. That's, that's where I, that's so he's where more I land. like your MWP, your most whole package. Did he really just say that? I think we should move on. We're going to move on. Um, golden boot. That's good. Golden boot. He says salt. Oh my God. I just looked at his paper. Assuming everyone is healthy and starting the entire season, it's Cameron Lancaster. I'm not, I'm not even going to really open up that can of worms. That's the issue though. Like, but Cam has, that's where we're at. It's where it's very, it's a very known thing that Cam struggles being healthy. Yeah. But he also scores a lot of goals when he's not, he's got one of the best goals per 90 in league history. As we enter the 10th anniversary season. You can't argue that. So that's who I'm going with if we're all fit and firing the entire season. Okay. I don't even want to present an alternate because I don't want to I don't want to wish poorly on anybody in their their performance. But I think that there are some very strong contenders across yes. the board. Yes. One of them being Nico Brett. I think that this What's exciting about the the new teams that we're bringing to the league this year is not only are both of those teams stacked with some a lot of offensive power, but we are really spread this year of the amount of guys that I personally think can make an impact mm-hmm. offensively, which is super exciting, but makes our job really difficult. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to kind of go into the history books a little bit here, kind of like you did, and I'm going for Mario Williams. Okay. Um, I think this is somebody who's proven that he can score. Like, that's without a doubt where Mario oh, yeah. Williams scores goals. Yeah. 
Like, we're talking, like, 32 goals over 64 games in his time in the championship. Like, he he can score. Um, I think that there's something to be said about him being Miami's first signing Mm -hmm. as a championship club as well. Like, that's proof that they have the utmost confidence in somebody like Romario. And then, of course, you've got a guy who's only 25 that has so much experience Mm -hmm. under his belt with the crew, with Atlanta. Obviously, a long time here in the championship as well. Um, I expect Romario Williams to make a massive impact. If he doesn't win the Golden Boot, fine, but he will make a serious impact. Well, yeah, because you look, I mean, not only is he clearly their number nine, right? I mean, he has competition in the forward department, but when you look at who's going to be leading the line, it's Romario Williams Mm -hmm. as many weeks as possible. Then you look at the quality of service behind him. They've got Bezicourt in there, but they've also got Sebastian Velasquez, who can clearly pick a pass just as well as he can score. And then you've got the service from the fullbacks, notably someone like Marco Franco, who's got a lot of experience in this as well. I think it's certainly like I I dig that. That's a that's a solid pick. I just got a compliment from wow. Stu. <laughs> that's so far fetched. Keep it rolling. <laughs> so what about Golden Glove? Golden Glove. This is this was actually really difficult for me. Really? It was pretty simple for me. Okay. That's I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> because they were so up and down and then just hit like a crazy stretch throughout the year. I don't think they'll be the same way, but it does make me wonder if they're sacrificing a little bit on the defensive end in favor of what can happen in the attacking end. That is my way of saying I picked Matt Van Okel out of Birmingham to win the Golden Glove. Again, Birmingham had one of the best defenses in the championship last year. It was the offensive department where they struggled to produce record-setting numbers. I think they might have a little more in attack to offer this year. They've got Brian Wright back. Obviously, we just talked about Nico Brett. But I think defensively they can be just as stable as they were, assuming they don't give up enough on the other side. I think Matt, for all of his incredible saves last year, if he can do half of those again, I think he's he's a very solid front runner. I love that pick. It, do, Thank I don't you. know if people know this. He's the goalkeeper coach, also. Yeah, he's not just there. Their main guy in the back of the like, And he's, he's just, he's a vet. I mean, he's like, he's hes certainly not out of his depth by any means. No. He's just, he's seen a lot in this league and just in his career in general. And I think that he has the potential to do something, again, special for that club. And friend of the show. And friend friend of, the show. of the show, Matt Van Okel, one of the most um, interesting guests we've ever had on Steel Sometime. It was a good interview. He was a good interview. What a guy. Yeah. That Matt Van Okel. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're going. Okay. Um... Wow, you really, you really worked yours up. Listen, okay, so my... I just saw yours. Why are you laughing? Just want to hear the... I just want to hear the explanation. I think it's possible. I just want to hear the explanation. Yeah, so I think that, that this keeper has made a name for himself in the, in the league. And yeah. um, when he was announced that he would be joining this club, everybody in this office was like, holy crap. This is a move. Like at that point, we're like, this club is not messing around yeah. this year. Um, so, or ever. Or, or ever, yeah, whatever. Um, so for me, I think that him moving into this role was. I, I think that it is a nice fit. I think he's the biggest part of this entire thing is he's talented. Mm. He's proven that he is successful in this league. But on top of that, I think he's got a very strong back line mm. who will support him. In that venture. And with that, I'm going Evan Loro, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Respect. I'm um, only laughing because I could see you picking it. I'm not laughing at the What does pick that by, mean? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what does that mean? That I could just see you just like, oh, Rowdies just crossed the pond over there. Like, Evan Loro's good. You know, just putting two and two together. Are you calling me a homer? I am not calling you a homer. I just, this is a pick that I've, I could see you making 
and I I think it's a good pick. I'm going to stick with that. I could just see it coming. That's all. I don't love that. Can I offer up an alternate? Okay. Just quickly. I think Logan Ketterer in El Paso yes, has a yes. lot of potential Yes, he was, as well. he was right, on, um, yeah. right on the list for me. Plus, for as much as I'm told I talk about the East, I would like to give some love to the West. So, Logan <laughs> Ketterer. Potentially. Potentially. Okay, and then we get a little fun. Yeah. Who's going to be the first sports center top 10 in 2020? Asante. It's going to be Solomon Asante. He's just going to do Does something Does he pay stunning. you? Uh, not directly. No, that's a, that's a conversation <laughs> for a different podcast for sure. Um, no, I just think, I think if we look at the combination of someone who has as much skill as he has, has a little bit of flair, um, and can do the unthinkable at the drop of a hat, I think it's solo. It's the only thing we're agreeing on. I also said Phoenix. I, but I, I mean, I went team rather than um, oh, players. Because okay. I okay. just think that there's a lot of guys on that team who can make a lot of noise and who I tend to do solo the like, on really, me. really flashy things. I think that could easily come from a Junior Flemings or a K- Kivon or okay. like, you know wh- whoever it may be on the given day. I would also love it to be Irvin Parra in yeah. San Diego. Yeah. First, first game of the week, Las Vegas Lights, Saturday Night Lights. I would love it to be someone with San Diego. Okay, how about uh, the first viral highlight? I also let's, got let's... weirdly specific with this one. Oh my one. god! Okay, so just so we can differentiate here, like the between uh, sports in our top ten, which are viral, yes. Mm-hmm. But when we have had some viral highlights in this year, let's talk about the the, uh, the pinball scenario. I believe that was Charleston, North Carolina. Right? Yeah, that was tough. Um, that was tough. Last year, Tampa Bay had the locker room egg yep. incident. Um, New Mexico United's like, oh my line, god, just line, can't line, score, can't yep. score. Yeah, so that's what we mean when we talk about viral moments. So, yeah. Scott, please. I just, I don't know what it is. I just think that it's going to happen at some point in time. <laughs> the way you lead in with these things. Sorry. I think it's, I'm going to go with Loudoun United's Moses Nyman and just stick with me. He is, he's young. So there are already a lot of eyeballs on him just because he's young and supremely talented. He's got an incredible future ahead of him. I don't know. I have not looked at Loudoun's schedule, so I don't know how, how quality the opposition defense is going to be on the day, but I just think with with his ability to come in there as like a 15, 16 year old kid and show up the game, it may not be viral in the sense of like, wow, this this one social post blows up. But I think you have so many people tuned in to this level of American soccer that will see his performance and be like, this kid's got a future. And that's where I'm thinking when I think viral. Okay. All right. Um, it's like deep viral. Yeah, it I, is. Like, it's deep viral. Like, Scott's all up in his feelings here days before Dude, we hit opening weekend. You though, I believe in these kids. Oh my god, we should have put him on the hype video. Honestly, you absolutely what were we should doing? not. Have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I took the team route again. Um, Naturally, should have known what I was getting myself into, but I I'm going NCFC for <laughs> good for good the first good viral. viral. Are we getting um, another pinball yeah, yeah, moment? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, we're going to go like some sort of funny moment. Okay. So here, like, hear me out. You've got Austin to lose on the mic mm-hmm. for the first time this year, right? Calling games alongside Dean. And Linky. Dean, yeah, Dean. Everybody knows Dean Linky is a character in himself. Shout out, Dean. Um, Bobcat, fellow Bobcat. Oh, um, love it. So those two, for one, in a booth together during games, <laughs> like honestly, going to be incredible. Um, so picturing them calling something funny that happens on the field like whether it's like a bird swooping down and like 
swooping something off of one of the guy's jerseys and running with it or, like, untying one of their shoes. I don't know. Like, just something, like, really weird to like happen. Like Dave Sarch and hitting the crossbar and tumbling? Yeah, and, like, landing the somersault hard. Yeah, so I just – I think that when you add those two guys commentating whatever's going to happen on the pitch – and also, you've got some characters on oh, that yeah. NCFC side as well that I think are really just going to kind of add fuel to the fire – so that's my that's my lock. I like it. We could get it in Dean's opening monologue for all we know. Totally. It's almost like I have an in. It's almost like you have an in. It's almost like I Once again, the odds are stacked. I'm foul me. on that one. <laughs> yeah. Last Inside last big one here. Um, who's your dark horse in 2020? This was also really difficult. Yeah, this was really difficult and I already changed my mind from what I had down. Okay. That's impressive. Um I want to go with El Paso, mainly because I felt bad that I slept on them the majority of the playoff run last year. Time out. Wait, can they be a dark horse when they were in the Western Conference? Absolutely. Because I, I don't think that they're labeled as a front runner for, for the Western Conference this year. Okay. When I think dark that's horse, fair. I think okay. it's someone who's outside of the leading candidates, which again, that's almost why I want to teeter on this line, because I think they could be a leading candidate. You could make the case that Omar Salgado, Mario okay. Slomas, Dylan Mares, all that good stuff. I think I'm going to go San Antonio, though. I think that they have yes. they have young energy. They have legs. They've been revitalized. They've got a new coach in Alan Marcina. I just think they have used every single building block that they had in their arsenal in the offseason and have built up something that could carry them a far way. Of course, barely missing the playoffs last year, if the line is just – hey, we need to make the playoffs this year. I think it's clear oh, that yeah. San Antonio would beat that. But I'm talking like a team that has the potential behind Jose Gallegos, Christian Pirano, especially the young guns, to do some some real damage come playoff time. I love that shout. Thank the you. San Antonio shout's a good one. Um, I really struggled with this because I think that there's a lot of questions in the air in terms of like, who is the top four or five front runners mm. in each conference right now? Because that is very subjective. And I think it's a very hard notion to get into when the ball hasn't dropped yet. Sure. So um, initially, my very first thought, hear me out, Tulsa. Um, because for many reasons, I think that this is a club that's gone, I mean, obviously just completely revamped in the mm -hmm. offseason. You're talking about a, a new look, new ownership, new messaging. Everything's brand spanking new. So you've got a blank slate here for a club to kind of come in and totally just do things different. Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, they've got, you know, Rodrigo da Costa. They've got Lipa Molota, Bradley Bourgeois. They've got some really, you some know, talent. prestigious names in this USL championship circle coming on to – the team this year. That said, they're my dark horse because they can equally, equally go south quickly. Um, but I think that if anybody's going to, if there's a club that's going to surprise people this season, it, I think it's going to be them. Okay. San Antonio being good. Unless you're about to pivot on me again. I was like, wow. No, I mean, because like San Antonio being good isn't going to be like a surprise. This is a good club yeah. as a whole. They yeah. had just had a really bad 2019, you know? Um all that being said, I really wanted to say San Diego, mm. but I think that if you talk to five people who cover USL Championship, they might have San Diego in their top five for the sure. Western Conference. Sure. So I didn't feel like it was fair to put them into my dark horse, even though I think it is extremely hard for an expansion side to come out guns a-blazing, making an impression, and a run in, in the postseason. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, would, it, would even like a Birmingham or Sacramento be a dark horse technically? I mean, Birmingham, yeah. I don't know if they're they're a shout for the top five, but they've sure got some, some yeah. something behind them. Yeah. Sacramento, same thing, you know? 
It's interesting. That's going to be a lot. And you mentioned Birmingham, and you and I talked a, a month or so ago about some offseason pickups, and Nico Brett was one of them that you and I both claimed was the number one pickup this mm-hmm. offseason. Does that still stand for you when we are days out from opening weekend? Number one pickup? Probably. I mean, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I think give Dylan Mayers what he needs in El Paso and, and under Mark Lowry, the way that he uses the attacking playmaker position and just sort of the, the way that he mandates they play. I think Dylan could be extremely special for that club. Number one, though, I mean, you're talking about a guy, you just said it, he's 17 goals last year. What he created with Cornado Forbes, he could easily replicate with sort of the the staff and the attacking talent in the uh, in the Birmingham roster. Yeah, I'd say number one, I'm going to stick with that. Sticking over in the Eastern Conference, though, there's a lot of questions, I think, with this Louisville City side. Um, it, you touched on them. Obviously, you don't have many questions because you've got them into the final. Not I, too many. I have questions, and I've said this from day one. I am concerned about the number of weapons this side has. And I, people always say, oh, that's a good problem to have. Like, who are you going to play today? Selection but like, headache. It's a serious problem to have. Like, I don't envy the position that John Hackworth is in by yeah. any means. I mean, he is, he's got the ability to make another run to the final without a doubt. I don't question you there. But how does John Hackworth handle all of these weapons? That's a good question. I'm not John, thankfully, you, you, you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you choose to play, you know – Brian Omi over Antoine Obeno. Yeah. Or, you know, you've got Cam working back in there. And you've got Luke Spencer. I mean, I, like... I think you're relying on the understanding, and maybe if not understanding, certainly the hope that a lot of these guys are going to take whatever ego they have and set it aside. I just think mm-hmm. that when you do have that, as many options as we're talking about for Louisville, it's got to come down to who's going to be a team player and who's going to be a team player right here and now even when I just told that team player they may not be in the starting 11 or even in the 18. Louisville, year after year after year, has relied on the culture. I won't speak personally to what that culture looks like in 2020 because I have no idea. I think that looking at the minimal turnover, you would assume a lot of the pieces are still in place, but teams evolve or teams devolve, and I think that I'm confident in Louisville's ability to even evolve from 2019 when they were an incredible team, but fell short in the championship final into a team that's going to be able to say, okay, it may not be my day and that's okay because they've got that support system. Just like you said, there's another side of every coin and it could go the opposite way. But I think if I'm, if I'm hack, I'm encouraged by the options that I have, assuming that things come up throughout the season, but it's certainly not a problem to ignore. And I will say, historically speaking, Louisville is a club that has always had a team-first mentality. You've got, I mean, the fact that you're pulling George Davis off the bench or Brian Obi off the bench, you know, guys who can make a serious impression and who might easily be playing a full 90 oh, yeah. for other clubs yeah. and who are cool with being like, okay, this is my role. You know, Paulo, as, as a captain, Just you know, coming off the bench. Perfect example. Like, I... I will say if there's any team that I'm confident about that mentality, it's going to be Louisville. So it doesn't mean that I'm not interested to see how no, Hack's going to shake things up. Absolutely. And, I mean, Paolo Del Piccolo is somebody who was coming off the bench at one point yeah. last year, yeah. and that's, that's your club captain right there. So I think the questions are all valid. What I saw in 2019 leads me to believe they can handle it, but it's a long season. That being said, which club are you most excited to watch in 2020? That is putting me on the spot for sure, because I did not think about that one. I think for an inaugural season, I've, I've got to put my eyes on San Diego. Mm-hmm. There are just too many talking points. I mean, you've got Vets and Salzizo. You've got Joe Greenspan in there. 
Um, you've got a, some some young playmakers that they picked up as well. You've obviously got the coaching staff of Landon Donovan, Nate Miller, who had success in 2019 in League One. You've got the first ever female assistant in the championship and Carrie Taylor. All of those are it's it's like here are all of our narratives. You can pick one, and that is right. reason enough alone. You yep. know, San Diego for sure. In the East, it's got to be the Rowdies because there are just so many. Like this team could either explode and be stupid good, or they could be fine and make the playoffs and go out in the first round. So, so here's my thing: Does it kind of seem like that's always the hovering storyline with Tampa Bay before Absolutely. every season? And why? History, <laughs> unfortunately, I. I I hate to say it, I think they've always put together a really good roster on the field that in March or April is going to do fantastic yeah. things. But we saw their inconsistency at times last year, and, and I think mm-hmm. someone to my left hammered on it a little more than I did personally. But I think, that, I think that – I think that – well, just pull the tapes. Pull the tapes. wasn't me. Um, I think that they've got almost too many good pieces to ignore this year to mm-hmm. not put them like clearly in that front-runner spot. What do those guys do in November that they didn't do in October? And that's that's the big question for the Rowdies. What a note to end on heading into 2020. Listen, when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by the legend oh, himself, our us. very own Mike Watts. Listen, this guy's so freaking talented. The league's so fortunate to have somebody of Mike's caliber oh, calling yeah. games week in and week out. Mike's, of course, the voice of our ESPN Game of the Weeks. He's called five USL Championship Finals. But his resume goes well beyond that, you guys. He's the PA for the Knicks, Cincinnati Bengals preseason play-by-play guy, and he just does a ton of work across ESPN collegiately and professionally. He can pretty much just do it all. He sure can. And he's our guy, and he's coming on steel sometimes. So stick around. Mike Watts is going to join us in just this is Mike Watson. You're listening to Stewart. I mean, steal some time. USL Championship play-by-play extraordinaire Mike Watts joins us now. Mike, it took us a season to kind of figure out what the heck we were doing, but to kick off season two, we finally got you on the show. Welcome to Steal Some Time. I am so happy to lower the common denominator of this show. It, it brings me so much joy. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Listen, there's no better way to kick off the 2020 season, in my humble opinion, than to have Mike Watts on the show. You've been calling uh, games since, what, 2015 in the USL? Yeah, the, the 2015 final was the first, and then that was the beginning of our relationship with ESPN. It continued with Game of the Week and. 2016 and by the time 2017 rolled around about a third of the league was doing their shows out of Fort Lauderdale at Vista World Link so it, it's been full speed ahead since October of, of 2015. And how far the league has come since that time too. I mean talk about it from a broadcaster's perspective what it's been like from from your viewpoint to see all of the changes and the growth uh, of this league since 2015. Yeah I mean in 2015 it, you know, that, that show in Rochester, it's this rainy, dreary, cold night, and it's my first game covering the league, and we've got this giant TV truck, and I'm going, okay, you know, the, the league is, is really taking a step forward with all this and, and making the effort to be more outgoing on the, on the content side and on the broadcast side, and to see that initial investment snowball into expectations for teams you know, the idea of having commentators at, at the level that the league ha- have been getting, production standards, 
uh, producers and directors. What the guys do down at Vista is unreal when you look at the scale of it. And, you know, day one, I really had no idea what this was going to look like a year from then or, or now five years from then. But, you know, you talk with coaches around this league and they talk about the quality of play and the, the level of standard around the league as a broadcaster. I see the exact same thing in what we're doing. Let's talk a little bit about playmakers. So you talk about you've been on the radar since, what, 2015 with the USL. Things have changed since then. A lot of uh, young guns coming into the league, whether it's Pirano or, you know, whether it's guys like Sebastian Velasquez heading over to Miami. Who's on your radar this season? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Like, I think Sebastian Velasquez coming in midseason was a great pickup for El Paso, but for him to actually – hit the ground running in Miami. I mean, they are totally loaded. I, I like guys like Carlton Belmar going to Sacramento. I think Thomas Enevoldson going back to Orange County where he was a better fit. Uh, I'm excited to see what Aiden Quinn does now that he's, you know, sole commander again of that Orange County midfield and Christian Duke at, at Kansas City again where he had so much success as he did in the first year he was in Orange County. So there's guys like that. And then you know, there's just the people you expect to come out and have a, a great showing year after year. And it's, you know, Nazmi Al-Badawi in, in North Carolina. It's whoever is the guy on the day in Louisville. Uh, in Indy, I, I think Ioze is a, is a wingback. If they keep that three-back system, I'm super excited to see how that progresses. So I, I could sit here and name, you know, 50 guys where I'm excited to see what they're going to do on the field this year from a playmaker perspective. Uh, but some of these young guys coming in, I mean, like Christian Pirano, I know he picked up an injury recently and he may miss the beginning of the year. He's still my young player of the year in, in the, the web article that, that's going to come out this week, just because you, you look at his age and what he did last year. And it's not just the numbers. It's what you see. I mean, it's really spectacular. And I think you're only going to see that continue to grow you know alfonso davies was kind of the first through the door in the really young star usl championship mold i i think he just was the first through the door i think we're gonna see this massive run forward in in guys that haven't had a chance at great pro opportunities before at that age they're going to blow by expectations and, and you know maybe take american soccer in the long run by storm when you have the USL Academy now, right? So you've got this system yeah. that we're really building into that's really kind of laying out the red carpet for a lot of guys to break through if, if they seize the day. Yeah, and I'm so excited about what Louisville's doing. And you didn't just, you know, create a, a, a USL League Two team. You brought in James O'Connor again to run your academy. What they did in San Antonio, and a lot of credit to Darren Powell. That's a big reason why they brought him in in the first place was to have him sort of oversee the youth as much as the, the first team for San Antonio FC. Uh, FC Dallas finally has a conduit to get all these homegrown guys real minutes that matter at an early age, and we saw that with North Texas last year. Sacramento comes to mind as a, a team that's put distinct effort into it. And again, I'm leaving a lot of teams out, but I, I think in the grand scheme, um, you know, the Phoenixes, the Louisvilles, the the San Antonio's, the Dallas's. I mean, those teams are creating a pipeline, not only for their own on-field product, but I think in the long run, we're going to start to see that be a significant part of the financial picture 
for a lot of these teams to go and sell on really good young players, whether it be domestically or to, to foreign foreign entities. I mean, that's what's kind of exciting about this. We're seeing the USL through the academy try and get further entrenched in the global ecosystem of the game. It makes sense. It's a pipeline. And I think it's it's the future of the sport. And when you talk about growing the sport, I mean, that's exactly what what we're talking about here. And it's funny you mentioned Sacramento and everything that's going on over there. And I think that, you know, we we'd be suppressed to, to not talk about the addition of Mark Briggs this season and Rodrigo Lopez coming back there. I mean, do we see mm-hmm. Sacramento as maybe a, a top five runner there in the West? Yeah, it's realistically possible. I'm you know, for a team that's had the amount of overall success that they've had, they've gone from Precky to Paul Buckle to Simon Elliott and now Mark Briggs. And I think you can look at what Mark did in Salt Lake City with Real Monarchs and, and get a pretty good idea of the style he wants to play. I think they're going to be really attack minded. I think they've got the pieces that fit. I, I felt that they underachieved a little bit last year. I thought they were going to be a top two or three team in the West when it was all said and done. And Ultimately, it doesn't work out that way. They were in the playing round against New Mexico, which is a, a really tough out. But, you know, I think, um, you know, Mark was a, was a really heads-up hire. I mean, I talked to him a lot over the course of the last year and a half, and, you know, his passion for this game and getting back into it and his passion for bringing along young players as well as working with star players really well. I mean, he is a genuinely impressive figure as a coach so i'm excited to see what he does with one of the league's more prominent teams with a prominent budget and an expectation from day one that they should be a contender to win the usl championship this year is that a hot take by mike watts is it i don't think it is ask sacramento fans there is not one who is not going into this year saying we should compete to win a title because the expectation there is such that anything less than that being a competitor for a title, I'm not saying they need to win it, but all the pieces are there and it's just how quickly they coalesce as the, you know, whether or not it, it works out this year, but I could see Mark Briggs there for a very long time. And you know, Mike, what I think is interesting about the Mark Briggs pickup in Sacramento is you have players throughout this entire league that speak very highly of of Mark Briggs and, and what he you know what he's like in the in the locker room and on the pitch and um you know Sebastian Velasquez I think is, is one of the guys who has been extremely vocal about what you know Mark Briggs brings to a team so I'm excited for him to kind of have that opportunity and, and put something together that's I I echo I, I agree I, I think that Sacramento is has a real shot this season yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, again, like Rodrigo Lopez, like that's a great signing, but you still have Kamawasa. I think you didn't see the best of Jaime Villarreal. I think Sam Warner is an outstanding player. Bijev is back. You know, you add a player out wide uh, of the caliber of a, of a you know, a Belmar type, and, and all of a sudden you're kind of looking around going, okay, like, you know, the, the firepower is there. Defensively, they kept their, their anchor in Deco Kanan and, it, it's all there whether or not it all comes together. I mean, soccer's a funny game, but you know, I, I think the right coach and the right mix that this has potential to be dangerous. 
you're set to call three games opening weekend. So Sacramento isn't one of them, but on Friday you've got Orange County and El Paso, which I mean, talk about a, a match there right out of the gate to start the 2020 season. That one's going to be really, really good on ESPN Plus. And then Saturday, of course, North Carolina FC and Louisville City FC to start the day. And then, of course, you're rounding out with San Diego Loyal making their debut in Las Vegas on ESPN News. What sticks out to you in these games? I mean, as a fan, if you're tuning in, what are the notable storylines that they should be looking out for? Yeah, so starting on Friday night, we've got two games Friday night over on ESPN Plus, and I'll be calling the late game. You know, Orange County, the injuries they sustained early on, I, I was talking with Braden Cloutier, the coach out there, a little bit about it toward the end of the season. He said it, it was almost like, you know, the scene – uh, famous movie, you know, guy sticking gum in a hole in the dam and trying to keep it from, from springing a leak. I mean, that's where they were at at the back end of last season. I mean, even from the beginning, Christian Duke gets this phantom injury slipping on the practice field that, that keeps him out for months. And that's theoretically the ringleader of, of your midfield alongside Aiden Quinn. So, you know, from the day one, you're already way behind the curve. And it took them a long time to, to get going again. So that's sort of where I'm at with Orange County. I think they're a good team. I think Ine Voldsen coming back, you know, his two best goal-scoring years of his life have come in this league. And largely it was on the West Coast, where I've heard he's more comfortable in Sacramento and Orange County again. Uh, so El Paso, you're talking minutes away from reaching a final. Last year, they lose Jerome Kiesewetter. They lose Sebastian Velasquez. You know, I think Mark Lowry's system prevails in the sense that they still want to possess the ball 60, 65% of the time. And while the finishing touch may not be there, and really Kiesewetter was only hot for the first 10 to 15 games he played, and then he cooled off massively uh, before he went to Miami this offseason. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they actually finish goals more so than the, than the product of how they get there. Um, North Carolina, it's another year together. They felt like they were drinking from a fire hose early last year. You know, Dave Sarakin's going to run a good tight defensive ship. And then you're looking to see what happens. You lose guys like Austin to lose. He didn't play a ton last year. He's a leader. And so where do you fill that gap? And I think they'll be okay there. Louisville was super pragmatic over this offseason. They didn't go and add big games for the sake of, of spending money. I mean, Cam Lancaster comes in on loan from Nashville, which, of course, with 25 goals a couple of years ago, you're talking about an all-time season in this league, still the all-time goal-scoring season in this league. Can he stay healthy? Can Brian Ownby reach the form that I think we know he's capable of? And maybe statistically, he hasn't been able to hit the, the last year and a half. And injuries have played a role in that. Um, you know, no Paco Craig. I, I don't know where Paco is right now, uh, but they're missing, you know, their defensive leader, you know, really from the jump. So there's some some pieces that they've had to fill in there. But I think who they've added have made a lot of sense. Um, and then the late game, man, it's it's Eric and it's it's Landon. So from from the get go, it's, you know, Donovan versus Winaldo. But more importantly, San Diego's roster is on real i mean that is a really good roster and so for a first time coach how do you appease egos because not all 20 guys can play from the jump um you know joe greenspan best defender in the league last year on the best defensive team do they decide to carry that over 
they've got guys like Carlos Alvarez. You know, I, I tweeted a few minutes ago, but sixth time he's been signed by an expansion team in the last six years. So clearly he knows what he's doing with these first-time efforts. But you look through other guys on that roster, it is loaded with USL championship experience. I think Salzizo was a really smart first signing for the club. And, you know, they play against the Las Vegas Lights team that right now officially have 16 players. So, you know, what they're going to look like in a week may not look like what they look like now. I would expect them to make a few signings late, but Eric does a unreal job of finding diamonds in the rough that you haven't heard of. Can De La Fuente stay healthy? Because they felt like they were beaten a ton when he wasn't playing. Can Moby Fair stay healthy? Um, those are the questions that are going to you know, be between Las Vegas and whether or not they're competing for a playoff spot this year. History on Saturday night, nonetheless. If we talk a lot about the, the player side of things and the coaching side of things when it comes to prep, but Mike, no one really talks about what it takes to call a game, let alone, <laughs> two, let alone two in one day. I mean, can't let the, the people want to know. Give us some insight here. What, what does it take? Um, it's funny. I was just talking to a veteran announcer who's done, you know, 20 years of national TV and I was talking to him a little bit about how he preps and how he gets from game to game and obviously doing Remy's, which is really common now in, in soccer domestically and globally. Um, you know, my world's a little different, but you know, the first thing he said to me is Mike, nobody cares. No one cares how much you slept last night or how many games you have this week. Nobody cares. So I'm glad somebody cares. You know, long story short, over the next two days, we'll talk to, you know, all six coaches in, in relation to the three games this weekend. Uh, you're trying to figure out who they think have impressed in preseason, who they think could break out this year. You know, their thought on the overarching state of the league and who's going to be a competitor to win a championship. You know, how healthy are they coming out of preseason? What do you think of the system you're playing? You feel like preseason has effectively prepared you for Friday and, and Saturday's season opener. So those are sort of the first things you're thinking about. And then it's you know purely trying to figure out, you know, I think it's interesting that Carlos Alvarez has played on all these different expansion teams. But that's not a stat that's readily available. So you're trying to dig into players that you find interesting. And, you know, thankfully, there's good beat reporters around this league who cover it well. Uh, and and so many news sources they're available to us now. We're able to find more info than we've ever had before. So, you know, for me, it, it's just trying to get caught up as best I can. And then you've got you know our our lead analyst for game of the week in Devin Kerr, who's more trying to figure out what's this supposed to look like. What did they look like in preseason? How do I explain to people why things happen? as opposed to my what happened, where it happened, and when it happened, acting more as the scorecard, whereas Devin is the real analysis of the brain, uh, let's be honest, of the show. That's a hell of a breakdown, Mike. I, I think it's really interesting from an outsider's perspective, you know, when so many fans just don't understand it, and they probably never will because they're not in that situation. And you don't, you don't know how much prep goes into it on your guys' side as well to deliver such a high quality, high caliber show. And um, I know not only are we looking forward to seeing that game on ESPN News, but obviously, obviously seeing uh, you and Devin back in the booth as well. I'm going to let you go in a second here, but before I do that, I have to. I have to know. You know this league so well at this point. 
you have so much history here in these last few years. What's your favorite USL call of all time? Oh, wow. Okay, I thought that was going a different direction. I'm like, <laughs> she is definitely going to ask me who's going to make the final. <laughs> oh, God. Did you know? I mean, if so we're there. I mean. <laughs> You're out of luck on that. Um, gosh, uh, there's a lot of them uh, over the years. I mean, the Miguel Gonzalez bike kick for OKC that was number one on SportsCenter Top 10. It came off a flip throw. I mean, like, and that was the first, like, oh, my God, people are watching kind of moment. Unreal. That's what uh, I wish I called it better. Right? Um, I yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the first final in Rochester stoppage time, game time goal, extra time game winner from a arena league player and Asani Samuels. So that's an incredible, um, you know, memory to have from, from the jump. And I'm calling that game with John Hartz and I've never done a pro soccer match before. And you're just kind of like, you know, wow, this is what it's, what it's like. I mean, this is, this is the dream right here. Um, the Phoenix, uh, Drogba, what's in the water call. Got love that me. one. I, I didn't love it, but other people did. So I guess, you know, that carries a little bit of weight. I mean, it, it, at this point, it's almost too numerous to mention. I love it. I can't wait to see what you spew out this year. It's always <laughs> one, one thing or another, but a, a great line from Mike Watts. We know 110% is going to be in the works and maybe we'll see it this Saturday night on ESPN news. Mike, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. We are excited for 2020. You've got me hyped now, ready to go. And we just really appreciate your insight and, um, you know, just class all the way around. Yeah. Thanks, Kelsey. Appreciate it. Glad I was able to steal some time. I love it. I love it. <laughs> all right, Mike, take care. Hi, I'm Landon Donovan from USL San Diego, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Welcome on back in to steal some time. We have a fun week ahead. It's opening weekend for USL Championships action, and we've got an ESPN game of the week on ESPN News over in San Diego for their debut. They're hosting Eric Winalda and his Las Vegas Light side at 10 p.m. Eastern. This is just so exciting for so many reasons. Obviously, it's a new club, but, I mean, it's Landon Donovan's debut yep. in the league, San Diego's debut. Talk to me a little bit about how you feel this game's going to go. Are we going to have a lot of first game jitters? Do we do we, what, oh, do we yeah. expect San Diego to to kind of come out strong, looking to prove a point as a new club, a new team, new manager, everything? Yes, is the question or the answer to the question. Obviously, I mean we're expecting a sellout at Torero yep, Stadium, which is so incredible. It's a good place to start. I think Landon and his coaching staff will have some very natural, very normal pregame jitters. Like, this is it, guys. Like, everything that we've put together leads into that one moment, and that's huge. I think I'm almost in favor of, of playing down the Wynalda versus Donovan storyline. Like, I Love get that. that it exists, yeah. but, like, let's leave it to the two teams that are on the field and not necessarily the, the head coaches. So, I think it's got a lot of potential, obviously, for them to be on national TV, their first game ever at home speaks volumes to, to where the USL championship is gone. But yeah, I think that this could go blow for blow and I'm just excited to see what comes of it. Obviously Mike Watts, Devin Kerr on oh, yeah. the call for that oh, yeah. one. And listen, there's, there's quite a few other really notable games throughout the weekend. A few I want to touch on Orange County and El Paso, which Mike Watts is also going to be calling it's Friday. Yeah. That's, um, that's yep, one of that's our openers. Our, that's our 10 PM Eastern one on Friday. Talk about a dark horse, Orange County. Agreed completely. I, I echo Mike Watts and what he was saying about Thomas and Wilson oh, coming back. I think that Quinn. they're looking so much more like this 2018 group. And I 
it, like looking into this season, you could almost call them a dark horse yeah. because of their, you know, the way they played in 2019. I mean, they've got to stand out in every position. They've yeah. got Ina Bolton, Quinn, Orozco, and Cervantes. That's like one through four for your four lines. What more could you ask for? It's so it's so impressive, yeah. And I think that you know they're welcoming an El Paso side that might feel like they have a little bit to prove oh, with yeah. you know Kisa Wetter um, leaving and as well as Velasquez. Like there's a it'd be interesting to see kind of how this El Paso side is going to shake out. Bad taste in their mouth. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't say it any better myself. You have North Carolina and Louisville as well on Which Saturday. Which was our, our opening game for both these two clubs last year Just, too. So, so bizarre. Uh, yeah, so interesting to see how that one's going to go. Of course, Louisville's not opening at the new stadium until April 11th, so they've got a little bit more time until that, that big um, you know, unveil happens. But another one that's got my um, eye is Austin in New Mexico because I think Austin is a club that might not be getting as much love heading into the preseason here as they should have, and New Mexico's added a few weapons. So they're on the road for the first game of the season, but with an Austin side, that could be pretty dangerous. I like Austin. I, I do, too. I think they're going to be good. And they made it further than New Mexico did in the 19 playoffs. So he ain't wrong. 19's not 20, obviously. A little shot there. No, I'm just saying 19's not 20, of course. But I like what Austin's bringing back. Anything else in this upcoming week that is a massive highlight for you? Oh man, I mean, I circled like nine games on Saturday, so I don't, I don't think we need to get into that. I just listened genuinely. This is like everything that we get to work for. And this is the most exciting time to be in this office. It's the most exciting time to be in all of the club front offices. Like, this is what we want. This is, and now it's like right in front of us. I'm just, let's eat, guys. Let's do it. Ready to eat. But before we do that, we'll chat quickly about some of our favorite social media moments of this past week. And I kind of grouped this one into the last month because this has been a, uh, a very interesting month in sports. And I don't think that you need to be a baseball fan to understand what's been going on with the Houston Astros and that scandal. In essence, stole signs in the 2017 regular (laughs) regular season and postseason, which just so happens to be the same year they won the World Series. Mm, Um, Crazy. That being said, they end up firing their general manager and their manager um, after they were already given suspensions by Rob Manfred. Really interesting uh, coming out of that whole – I mean, you could take this scandal in so many different directions. I mean, you have people who are comparing this to the White Sox scandal. You know, you have people who are saying that this is the greatest sports scandal of all time. I mean, it is something that I think that we'll tell, be telling our kids about, you know. Um, but in the Pete age, Rosen in the Hall of Fame, though. Don't get me started. That's a different podcast. <laughs> um, but <laughs> – Cheaters don't get in, Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Weird, but they still get to keep their rings. <laughs> they sure do. So what's no rule against that? <laughs> what's interesting to me though is you have a commissioner, Rob Manfred, who decided to take the stance of okay, I am going to discipline management and ownerships and all these people who were in charge, but just do a little pat on on the back to or on the slap on the hand I yep, should say to to the players who were the ones carrying out all of the 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 rule breaking the sign stealing the banging no, of the no garbage slap. cans it was total immunity total freaking immunity yep. And so that's what bothers me coming out of this because you have guys like okay if you cooperate in this scandal then Nothing bad will ever happen to you. Oh, and then on top of that, we're going to go ahead and protect you as well. And anyone who decides that they want to hit a Houston Astros batter this season, you're going to get fined. So that brings me to my only question for you. Mm -hmm. 
when it comes to that whole side of things, the targeting, yeah. the throwing out somebody, I'm setting the over under at 81 and a half based on a 162 game season. Over or under that number? Yeah, I think um, CBS put out a stat that was 84. 84? Yeah. So just over in like one, one out of every other game, someone's going to be targeted. Yeah. Yep. And for point of reference, I believe it was 62 last year that the Astros uh, players were hit. Okay. I'm looking forward to the Mega Mix. Of all, like a clip of just like se- yeah, of ping, sequence, ping, ping, ping. sequence of clips of oh, yeah. all of the hits, and this has escalated so much. You have Trevor Bauer, who's a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, who was with the Indians. I mean, he's he's well versed in the league. But um, in spring training this week, he actually came up to a uh, to the mound and told uh, told his teammates, he's like, I'm just gonna tell him what's what pitch is coming. So Matt Beattie was at the at the play, uh, Dodgers first baseman, and um, he signaled to him what he was gonna throw him. He still retired him. Love it. Absolutely um, love it. And Trevor Bauer has been one of the most vocal players. I mean, you've got guys like Mike Trout, Anthony Rizzo, DeRoll You Chapman. put a mic in front of some of these guys. They're going to give it to you. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting coming off of that. But this whole scandal has frustrated me so much because I think when it comes down to it, you have to hold players accountable. Um, you know, whether it's it's drug-related, doping-related, PEDs, and the fact that, you know, guys are testing positive for PEDs and only getting 50-game, 100-game suspensions. Yeah. You know, they're still getting that. What about what, – what, no, are we not going to hold these players accountable? I mean, do you think he handled it right? No, absolutely not. Do you think that this if this happened in the world of soccer, would the fan bases have oh responded my gosh, differently? guys. No, not at all. I mean, if this happened in any major league, either here or – overseas it would be a revolt I mean this would go down as it should in Major League Baseball history as one of the worst stains on the history of the sport do you think that's because there's just so much history in baseball in America that it's just that American pastime that they don't want to ruffle too many feathers Maybe, but, like, this is cheating. This is, like, the definition of cheating, like the dictionary definition of what not to do as a team or as a player. And yet, once you – I think it's the depth of how many people were involved that yeah. is that is going to end up bothering people till mm-hmm. this thing eventually is in its grave. And the success that followed it. Yes, correct. They won the World Series. They won that, the, yep. seer, that season. Yep. As cheaters. <laughs> and they will always be cheaters. I mean, if you ask me, the ring should be revoked, title should be revoked, all of that. Players should be held accountable. But it's the age that we live in, and Rob Manfred is just not playing the cards that we necessarily would deal if we yeah. were in his shoes. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I felt like we had to talk about that. I thought that was it's something that I could honestly sit here for another two hours and get very heated about. <laughs> um, but, listen, it's USL Championship time. And if you have a bad tattoo, just let people see it. Oh, God, okay. see, we didn't even get into that. I, I just, yeah, we're, just don't let me unload. Um, it's USL <laughs> Championship time. I'm going to put a buzzer on you guys for timing. It, is, it is time. We're just so excited to be back, you guys. Deal Some Time is back every Tuesday after. You can catch us on your your favorite streaming service. We are excited. Opening weekend, it kicks off Friday the 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss a single bit of the action. All Every single game this season will be on ESPN+. Plus. You have no reason not to watch. We're excited. ESPN News. See you on Saturday. See you on Saturday.